0: Welcome to the Breakwater Podcast. My name is Hannah Wills, Breakwater's newest project coordinator, and my very first podcast. I am excited for this new role and to continue the work in our community to help reduce youth substance use. This week is Red Ribbon Week, and although it is known for being the largest and longest running drug use prevention campaign we can't forget about the history. Substance use is an issue across all of our communities, regardless of socioeconomic status, race, and even gender. Unfortunately, there are still disinvested communities in our prevention efforts. We have to do better. This podcast is just the beginning of bringing awareness to the stigma associated with substance use. We can be the change that reduces youth substance use, but we can't do it alone. It takes a community. We hope you join us. we break the stigma that surrounds substance use and misuse? The answer is simple, by starting the conversation with our youth. On this episode, I sat down with a community panel consisting of Captain Chris Tarman from the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh Police Department and Dan Hawk from Oprisity to have a real conversation about navigating difficult but much-needed conversations with youth. Thank you all for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having us. This is exciting. Thanks, Hannah.
0: Before we begin, I just want to preface this podcast by saying everyone here has their own story and own way of tackling this subject. For our listeners out there, there is no one right way on tackling this, and we hope that we can bring awareness by starting the conversation.
1: Yeah, I think that's great, and I'm so excited to be here with Dan and you, Hannah, and it's great to have you here on your first podcast, second here. podcast, so where about you, Dan? I
2: think I've done three. So you're the pro in the room. Well, those I was just talking, so it all depends on the topic,
1: right? (laughs) Well, thanks for having us. You know what, I think Hannah and I talked maybe a week and a half ago, and we were just talking about how do we make an impact, and I was talking about how I have children, and I know Dan has children, and, you know, how do we just start by having a conversation with our youth? And so I have a soon-to-be 13-year-old, a soon-to-be 10-year-old, and an 8-year-old, and That's kind of the window of time where people start experiencing the potential of having an interaction around drugs. And so we were thinking, you know, how do we help parents understand that moment? What does it look like? Um, What if your children are 16, 17, 18, and now you're like, oh, my gosh, I haven't had that conversation? So we just want to talk about, like, what are things that we do? Maybe we can prep some parents who haven't really thought about it. Maybe we can help the parents who are in the moment. That's a little bit past the window that we're going to talk about. And really, we just want to share authentic- authentically about how we talk about these things.
2: You know, I think uh, I have, my kids are 7, 13, and 16. So uh, similar to, to your your kids' ages. And, and I think um, having the conversation feels awkward. But honestly, I think it feels awkward for, for both kids and, and parents because you don't know how it's going to be accepted. So I think you just into it
1: yeah I I think to set the stage a little bit Hannah too um, you probably should know a little bit about my background and maybe a little bit about your background so uh, I'm the captain at UW Oshkosh Police Department I've worked here for almost 14 years but I've worked at several other agencies leading up to this but that doesn't really define the moment for why I'm here I mean I have a story myself outside of wearing a uniform I mean um, I've my my biological father actually passed away when I was 14 he used drugs um, to the point where he actually contracted HIV AIDS and he Passed away um, from using dirty needles and stuff like that. So I mean, that's a little bit of my story. My my biological or my my stepdad. Then um, he actually was addicted to using alcohol uh, for a large portion of my childhood, and I remember a number of, number of experiences that kind of shaped things that transfi- transpired in my life. And um, I, I don't know if that's why I became a police officer, but I certainly think that that has obviously impacted a little bit about who I am and how I parent my children. Um, my my stepdad's Brother actually went to Nova Counseling Services where he actually became sober and was able to, now he's been living in recovery for, I want to say close to 20 years, you know, so I've, I've had a close impact to a lot of people who've been affected by substance use, and so when I think about my kids, I just think about, it doesn't really matter what I do for a living. It doesn't matter what their experiences are at school and stuff like that. I still have an opportunity to open and and create a conversation where they feel comfortable talking about the experiences that are going to happen regardless of who you are. So maybe share a little bit about yourself, Dan, and then we can get into this thing.
2: Yeah, thanks for, for sharing that, Chris. Um, so I've been in recovery since 1998. Uh, I work at Apricity, and and that's a recovery community organization that, that works with People in early recovery, both in residential treatment and employment and sober living. I'm also on the steering team for for Breakwater, and just knowing that that my my background um, around alcohol and drugs uh, it heightens the risk for for my kids, and, and trying to be aware of that. I I remember uh, growing up with. Uh, with my family, they they drank and and partied regularly, but that was normal. It was what I expected to see in you know my early uh, teenage years. Is, is kind of what I what I remember, and uh, I'm I'm curious to see what how that it plays out with my kids because they don't see that because my wife and I don't drink and. But it's it's not to say that we don't or that they don't see it, right? I mean, it's, it's Wisconsin. So when when you go to uh, mm-hmm. any sporting event, wedding, party, you know, family event, it, they're, they're seeing that um, from aunt's, uncle's, family, friends.
1: Yeah, and I think, Hannah, you should probably talk about your story and then lead us into the question. Sorry, I didn't mean to own this thing so far.
0: It's totally Okay. Um, so I've actually been working in prevention for the last uh, three years uh, before I came in and joined breakwater um, specifically tobacco prevention but really working uh, with our youth in Brown Oagami Calumet and Wapaka counties. Um, so I had a you know just a great experience being able to start these conversations you know with youth and and really empowering them to not use substances um, by you know just, raising their voices and being able to share their stories of maybe, you know, why they're not choosing to use substances or, or f- like you said, the family issues that ha- are happening that, you know, they don't feel like they have a voice in the conversation. So that's really where I came from. But personally, I actually lost my uncle to um, alcoholism back in 2017. Um, and, you know, alcohol, I mean, like you said, Dan, it's a, a cultural Normal thing that runs in our community. I mean, I feel like everybody, you know, who's listening to this podcast or lives in Wisconsin, knows someone who, you know, maybe uses substances to cope with what they're what they're dealing with. Um, so, I personally don't have any kids, uh, but you know, I work directly with youth. And so, how can we kind of start this conversation and and really just talk to, you know, youth-serving organizations to parents to teachers to really um, start this conversation with our youth and, and start this, bring this awareness to such an important subject in, you know, our work in everyday lives. Uh, so why do you guys think that it's, you know, important to, to start the conversation with the with your youth? And maybe what age do you even think that this conversation should start?
2: It, boy, age-wise, I think, is a, is a tough one. I've talked to other um parents and and people that i know and i i think you have to it depends on your kids you have to know the kids and and read them and see when they're ready um and then i i think one of the things that that i've really enjoyed with my kids is is being part of youth sports um because i i know the kids that they hang out with i know the parents that of those kids. And so it really has given me uh, another view of, of who they're hanging out with and who they are. And, and you, you see them in a, in a different light. So, when to have that, I think you just have to, to get to know your kids. I know that I had a, a, a lot of conversations in the car on the way to practices when it was uh, just me and, and one of my kids because you have that five or ten minutes uh, in the car where you have a captive audience and, uh, they may be on their phone for a minute, but I, I think if you can engage them in that, uh, that moment, that that's a great start.
1: Yeah. I, I appreciate what you said, you know, and it's funny cause I almost envision time as frozen for me. You know, when I think like my 12 year old right now, he's going to be 13 in about a month. I, I was frozen in the fact that I didn't think he was interested in having relationships with you know, a girl or anything like that, because he was like, Dad, I don't have time for that stuff. You know what I mean? And then he got an iPod, and, and that's where my wife and I were kind of like, you know, we'll we'll test this whole cell phone thing with an iPod, right, when you're 12 or 13-year-olds, because we're like, he's not going to get a phone until he's driving or whatever. Well, I fully understand that that changes things, but once he got that, he had to turn it in every night, and I would take a look to see what's going on, and I found out that he had a girlfriend. And I was like, holy cow, like, I had no clue. I had no idea until I was able to look at this device, you know. And so that kind of, like, it it almost kicked me a little bit and was like, seriously, I have no clue. Like, I felt like time is frozen in the fact that he wants nothing to do with a relationship thing, which then started getting me thinking, like, what else is he experiencing that I'm not even talking to him about? And like you just said, like, I, I would go pick him up from football practice or basketball practice, and we'd have these small conversations about things where I'd poke him and be like, hey, you know, I was checking out your iPod, and I see, you you know, you're talking to a girl. And at first for him, it was kind of embarrassing. He's like, seriously, you're, you know, you're looking at that. But then over time, as we've continued these small conversations, he opens up to me about it. He feels more comfortable about it. And it actually led me to where I started doing this for all my children at the dinner table. So it's not every night, but I would say if I'm getting home and we try to do a meal at the table, that's where you can't have devices or anything. And we actually joke that we should put a camera up and record it because my daughter's personality would be a great YouTube channel. (laughs) Um, but it would also show a little bit about what we do, which is I just basically go around the table and I, I pick a different child every night to start, which is kind of fun, too, because my daughter always has to be first and then it pushes on her a little bit. Um, and I just say, hey, tell me what was great about your day today. And it gives them an opportunity to share a great moment. And then after they're done sharing that, I'm like, tell me about something that made you feel off. Like what what didn't feel good or what was, you know, not so great. And my daughter always has something. My middle child almost never has something. And my oldest child, it kind of depends. It kind of depends on how things transpire for others. But I've realized, like, what you're talking about, he almost needs to be separated in his own environment to share some of those things. So we'll we'll do those one-on-one conversations so I can get that information out of him. But that's just something that I've kind of started doing so that I can get into it. And, Hannah, you asked about an age. I agree 100% with what Dan's saying. You have to kind of know your children. But... Stats are saying that kids are experiencing these conversations around 10. Mm -hmm. So whether you, you know, I mean, you just need to be thinking as a family, like, okay, I have a 10 year old. Are they ready for this conversation? I know they're friends. You know, my, my kid hangs out with sports people too. Like, are they thinking about these things? Are they talking about these things? And then do I need to start at 10? I mean, obviously I'm late. He's almost 13. And I started these conversations maybe within the last year, but That's just what I, I don't know if you have any other information to share on that. but
0: Yeah, I think it's good to bring up, too, that, you know, our our youth aren't just hearing things, right, from parents, right? They hear it from their peers. Um, The marketing tactics that our industry does on social media in regards to substances, they see it every day, whether it's on, you know, their phones, going to the gas station, billboards. Um, So I think it's important to note that they're seeing substances in more than just uh, the home, And you guys bring up a really great point, too, that, you know, talking about substance use is scary, right? Because it's so culturally ingrained in, you know, our everyday lives um, that it can be scary to start this conversation. But maybe starting from a place where you do ask them, you know, how was your day? Um, Did something happen that gave you, you know, maybe an icky feeling or something in your stomach that didn't sit right? But to start having... You know, even those small conversations in the car, on on the way to school, or to the game, um, to just kind of, you know, see where they're at. Um, because youth do want to talk about these things, they just don't know how.
1: Well, and I think you, you just landed on something interesting, too, because as a parent, sometimes it's uncomfortable, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't even know what I'm going to say sometimes. No, there's not really a parent training, you know, nobody said, hey, you need to go parent to this parent school. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get that. You know, I've kind of yeah. made it up as I go, just like everybody else, but that's the whole point of this conversation is we can learn from each other, you know, and I'm thinking like, Dan, you, you know, you're in recovery. You're not, you're not drinking in your household. You know what I mean? But that's different for me. Like we actually, we we drink and we have some drinks every now and again, and I'm not going to lie in the back of my head. I think, how is that building some sort of an understanding for my children? I mean, when we watch a football game, what do you see? Everybody's at the crowd drinking beer or there's Mm -hmm. beer commercials or whatever that is. And so how does that impact people? Um, you know, something that was, it, it's probably within the last year, my wife and I sold our house and we were, we were transitioning into a rental house where, um, we were, we were renovating a house. And so we rented a place and we had this giant bin full of liquor bottles. And it was like one of those giant plastic things. And we don't drink a lot of liquor in our house, but we have it. You know what I mean? Cause people come over or whatever, and we're going to have a, a, whatever, it's just there, but it was sitting in the basement in this bin. Um, and if you walk down the stairs of this rental house, it was kind of sitting right at the bottom of the stairs and then you'd continue walking into a play area for my kids. And I just started thinking one day, like, that's not good. Like it's in a spot where they could easily grab a bottle. They've seen us have drinks and now they're like, well, I mean, it doesn't seem like it messes with them. If I haven't talked about it, then they have access to it. Um, So it got me thinking like, is that good? Is that bad? Like, have I, I, haven't really talked to anybody about it. It's accessible. I'm just throwing that out there because mm-hmm. that was like a real life thought process for me. Like, what, how how do they have access to these things? You know,
0: right?
2: Yeah, the access is something that uh, you know as a as a Breakwater Coalition, we've we've talked about fridge locks and and drug lock bags and things like that. Um, growing up, like the the garage fridge uh, or the basement right. fridge stocked with uh, with beer, isn't something that i i really even thought about it. like i didn't think about it as an access point uh, until you got older and i, I think you know you, you talked about um drinking a- around your kids and i, I think there's uh, there's opportunity there to show responsible drinking right i mean I, i'm assuming that when when you're having uh, a get-together that, that people aren't beer bonging or they're not shotgunning beers and, and things like that in the middle of the living room. Right. I, I, so I think that there's a way to show like it, it, there's this responsible way to drink. When I first got in recovery and I went to a Packer game with my dad, I thought I was going to be the only person there not drinking just because that was what I remembered yeah. about, you know, pre uh, my recovery going to a Packer game. And it turns out there was other people there there that were just drinking soda. So then my assumption was, well, they must be in recovery, right? Otherwise, why mm-hmm. would you go to a basketball <laughs> game and not yep. drink? But, um, you know, I think people people can do it responsibly. And I think that um, for kids to see what that looks like, it, it, that teaches them too. I think the, the comment that you guys both made about small conversations, I, I think that's important because – Parents or kids don't want to sit down and have an hour-long conversation about drugs and alcohol, right? That's terrifying. That sounds sounds terrible. Um, But I think just planting that seed, like, hey, I know that this is something that's going to come across your phone. It's going to come across Mm -hmm. the TV. It's going to be in commercials. You're going to go to other kids' house whose parents are, are drinking or partying. It's okay, and it's okay if you want to come and talk to me about it. Um, I'm here for you when that when that time comes. So I think just being a resource or knowing that you know for them, I think is important.
1: Yeah, and I, I think exactly what you're saying, you know, even when I've had a couple conversations with my oldest child, I've said, you know, I need you to understand that I had to go through these same things that mm-hmm. you're going to go through. And honestly, peer pressure is huge, right? So if you want to fit in at your school and somebody starts drinking, that's one of your friends. How do you navigate that as a yeah. child? You know what I mean? That's a ton of, pr- you want to fit in. You don't want to be bullied. You want to make the right decisions. We have this huge culture in Wisconsin where you have a fridge in your garage. I'd mm-hmm. like people all across the audience right now, raise your hand if you have a fridge that has beer in it in the garage, right? Um, and then that's not a bad thing, right? It's just that you have to understand that that's presents risk. Like it offers mm-hmm. something a little different that you probably should chat about or think about. Um, and it's not something that we think about because it seems... You know, I just have a couple beers during a Packer game, which clearly is okay. But if your children are watching that and there's no backfilled conversation and they're getting a ton Mm -hmm. of peer pressure from their friends to do something like that, then how do we navigate that?
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think, too, it's, it's good to bring up that the difference between adults drinking and youth drinking, you know, they're different. Um, So an important fact to just note is that our brains don't stop developing until we're 25 years old, meaning that, you know, if your 13-year-old, 16-year-old are using substances such as alcohol or marijuana to cope with the stress that they're dealing with to try to fit in, those coping mechanisms get ingrained into their brain, and then it becomes something that they use throughout the rest of their life. Um, So I think, too, just, you know, noting that, like, hey, I'm here to have this conversation um, and maybe having other alternatives to, you know, just sitting down and having a beer when you come home, but maybe, you know, going outside with them and, and doing other activities that don't revolve around alcohol, especially going back to what this entire week is about, Red Ribbon Week, right? We're trying to bring awareness of just how can we do different activities that are drug-free to create a healthier lifestyle. Um, So we're not shaming, you know, adults on this podcast for for using substances, but really just bringing the awareness of, you know, the risks and the harms that using substances at a young age can lead to.
1: You know, I just want to point something out, too, because I think every time we talk about something that kind of resonates with thoughts Mm -hmm. in my head, and I think, you know, there's there's a few things. Like, first of all, there might be families out there listening to this who their dad is missing or their mom is missing in the family. Mm-hmm. So it's even more difficult to have a conversation because you're trying to do everything. Right. You're working, you're going from the one job to the next job. You didn't have time to cook a meal and sit down and have a conversation. I love Dan talking about like, Hey, I All had, right. I had five minutes in a car. like, I'm going to, I'm going to poke at that. And then now, now you started there. Right. And then you're like, how do I even have the conversation? Right. I don't know the answers to the questions you know, it's always just about, you're not going to do it perfectly. Nobody trained you how to do this. Your kids aren't going to know it's not perfect because they haven't experienced it either. But the goal is really just to start somewhere. And I think Dan said this and, but it's really about like, I thought in my head, I want my children to feel comfortable telling me the things that they're struggling with because it's not just about substance Mm -hmm. use. I mean, it's about mental health too. I mean, if somebody's putting pressure on them, then it could be different like you know just last night this is kind of humorous to me I, I'm asking my daughter like what bothered you about today and her example was that a kid who was a friend to my middle child came up to her and called her a jerk and so I was like let's unpack that a little bit you know what I mean because I know my daughter's personality And I'm thinking well what, what were you doing to get to that point you know what I mean and so I poked at it a little bit I'm like hey what was going on before you got that you know what i mean and she's like well i was tagging the person out at or or they were playing tag or whatever and she kept tagging the person over and over again and i'm like okay let's talk about this <laughs> so if you were getting tagged over and over again and you're playing this game would you get frustrated and she's like yeah i probably would get frustrated and i'm like it's probably not okay to call you a jerk but is that feeling of that person appropriate because of what you were doing and yeah, so it just in my mind, it was just to get her to think, like, I understand how she felt bad about it, but I also want her to see the whole side of this conversation so when she feels like that, it's, you know, she can kind of think about that. And so it's just these conversations, like, how do you get your children to understand it's okay to feel the way you do, but I also need you to talk to me about it so that I can help you with the decisions that you're going to make going forward.
0: Well, let's go back to, um, I know some listeners are probably thinking, well, my kids would never, you know, try substances, or maybe on the opposite end, it's too late. Maybe their child is already using, um, they, they don't really know where to go from here. Um, so what would you say to those listeners that maybe, you know, you, you brought up some good points, but they have no idea where to start, or maybe, you know, your story doesn't really resonate with them.
1: Yeah, I think that's tough. Um, I think you just have to kind of figure out how do you start a conversation with them? You know what I mean? And sometimes it's difficult. This is, Maybe in the last five years of my life, I decided I was going to step into uncomfortable moments because, first of all, they helped me grow personally. But second of all, it may actually start a conversation that becomes beneficial. And so, you know, if I was with a 16-year-old or a 15-year-old, even a 13-year-old, and you had suspicions of them using substances or being connected to people who are, it's really about talking to them about it. What were your experiences? You know what I mean? And don't don't be afraid to share personal stories about what happened in your life because, you know what, our kids want to hear those. Yeah. They, they often think like, oh, you're my parent, you don't know, you know, you, you're you old. Gosh, my daughter told me I was 80 years old the other day. She, that's her <laughs> concept of time. And I was thinking, you know, I went through these things. Right. You know what I mean? I grew up in a town where, I, I mean, it was small. And it mm-hmm. was th- what you did was you went to a farm field and had a party and drank beer. You know what I mean? And so how did I navigate those things as a student or as a, as a, a younger adult? And then my parents didn't talk to me about yeah. these things. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. What do you think, Dan?
2: I think as much as we think we know our kids uh, stuff changes with them I mean they're impulsive they're kids they're young right so they they don't always make great decisions right
1: Chris yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah
2: um, so I I think we can we can think that we know our kids really well and and but then they get in a funky spot and they make a bad decision or they get around a, a person who encourages them to make a bad decision or they have a friend who makes a bad decision and they follow along with it so I, I don't think that it's um that you have to look at it as a, a parental failure if your kid uses drugs at an early age yeah. um it, it, it happens I mean mm-hmm. we've seen that with alcohol and drugs for years it's it's not new. So I think just understanding that as a parent, it, it's going to happen at some point, you know. Um, and then I think just being there, continuing to be there as a resource when your kids have questions. It's not something I've had to deal with yet as a parent. Uh, I've, I've thought about it and I've tried to walk through, like, would I stay calm? Would I be mad? And, and I don't know how I would react until I get in that moment.
1: Yeah I think that's a good point because I've had those same thoughts in my head like when this hits my my conversation with my children I don't even know how I'm going to navigate that you know what I mean but I do know that right now I'm building the trust in them to get Mm -hmm. that conversation to me because if they don't then I'm not going to know what's going on and they're going to be out on their own learning from everybody else around them you know what I mean so to me it's just that initial foundation of how do you help them but if it's past that point where they're all now trying it Mm -hmm. you're trying to navigate that I'm just not there yet but I think what you're saying is right you just got to kind of stick your head into it and go hey let's talk about it let's figure this out and not because I think I tend to get mad when I get sidetracked by something or somebody kind of throws something on my plate I don't want to be like that I kind of want to be where I'm like hey this is something that I knew was coming I almost have to mentally prepare myself for it, so that they don't. Because if if that first time they talk to me, this is just my own feeling on this, and I get mad at them, then they're not going to come back to me mm-hmm. the second time. Right. You know what I mean? So you got to let them kind of give it to you, and then you got to own it and say, "How do we? How do we get through this thing together?"
0: Yeah, I think about my own uh, life, and in high school, I also used substances, um, and I never really thought of the consequences. And I think that's important to know because as a youth you don't really realize that, hey, like maybe, you know, later on this could be an addiction. Um, But you know what I wish? I wish that I was able to have that open communication with my parents and talking about why did I choose to use substances at that point in my time. And why I did use substances is because my peers were using. Um, And I thought that that was a way to maybe fit in. Everybody else was doing it. um, And that's just something that I had to do. But if I had you know, that, that, and I'm going to come back to this, but that one person just be like, hey, like, you don't need to use that to, to one, make friends or to, you know, to fit in, um, that there's other alternatives than choosing that, you know, I think that I could have built these healthy coping mechanisms that I now use in my adulthood and started that when I was, you know, a, a youth and in my youth. Um, I'm lucky that, you know, I don't have that addiction property, but I know that, you know, it's, it's, you can have, do all the right things, and that one child does have that addiction, um, and it turns into, you know, battling a life of, you know, recovery, or navigating that, so I think, you know, just going back to it, it's just really important to open up that communication, you know, between our kids, and just let them know that, like, hey, like, bad stuff might happen, or hard conversations are going to happen, and I want to be that person that's there for you.
1: Well, I think that's interesting that you say that, too, because, you know, what if I'm a teacher or what if I'm a pastor yeah. or what if I'm um, some sort of a mentor or somebody who works at boys in, or volunteers at Boys and Girls Club or whatever that is? Like, it's not always going to be apparent. I mean, um, I, I could see it as a like, you know, I, I did a traffic stop and I don't do a lot of traffic stops. I behind a desk for a long time, but I did a traffic stop um, pro- probably within the last couple of years. And there was a young girl in the car and she was with some folks who were doing things that they shouldn't have been doing and there was alcohol involved. And I took her aside and just had a conversation with her and she was like, you know, my parents don't talk to me. I don't feel like I can talk to them. And so I just let her talk to me. And then I just said, hey, listen. Like, this doesn't define who you are. You know what I mean? Like, you can make decisions about how you manage this stuff. You just need to be connected to people who are going to help you navigate those things. And I don't know. I never really fully understand, like, what impact. But, you know, some people are offended by a uniform. Some people are frustrated by the uniform. Some people think they're going to get in trouble with a uniform. But there's definitely a moment where when people see the uniform, they're going to take some of the things that you take seriously. So I try to use those moments, too. I would say that goes the same for a teacher, you know what I mean? If you're a teacher or you're a counselor or you're in the counseling part, you're a coach at a football game or you're a parent who has some sort of like relationship with one of your children's um, friends that, you know, comes over. Like these are all opportunities where if you see something's off, you can still step into that conversation and ask questions because you might be the person that they're looking for to have a discussion with.
0: Right. That one person that, you know, and not even, you know, this is even bigger than just sub- talking about substances, but that one You know, you had a bad day at school. You have, you know, your mental health isn't the best that it could be. But just having that one, you know, person that you can reach out to and go to. I mean, that can be, you know, anyone in your life. It doesn't have to be your parents.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I would say too. Like when I was in college, I, you know, I went to a small school, so I, I I actually was one of those good kids who didn't do a lot of drinking in school. But when I came to college, I was like, I don't have any parents to. I mean, I had a healthy fear for my parents when I was in school. I was thinking, I'm not, I don't want to get in trouble, (laughs) you know what I mean? But when I got to college, they weren't around, so I was like, I'm going to make some decisions. And I I think I just got lucky. Like, I didn't make horribly bad decisions, but I definitely got into the drinking culture. And, I mean, it caused some slowdown of how I was trying Mm -hmm. to accomplish my goals, you know what I mean? And it took me some time to figure out, like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? You know what I mean? And so, and I think it was because some of those relationships that I had that we're talking about that kind of tug me back out. And we're like, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And you know, you know so. But I think how you,
2: how you grew up, right, and in, in what you saw then, I, I think that impacts some of that stuff. And and I think people will, people go both ways with that, where they say, well, this isn't this isn't what I want. I don't I don't want that. Um, for me, when I started drinking, and I started drinking probably the you know, middle of my high school years, I, I knew right away that it was going to be a problem because I loved it. Um, I loved the feeling and all that stuff. So I knew that it was going to be a problem for me. Um, but then my, my period of drinking was short because I, I dug a hole pretty quickly um, and, and then had people around me that said, hey, how long do you want to keep doing this? Because you have more potential than, than what you're doing right now? Uh, and is this what you want your future to look like? And so, you know, that was a couple of times, uh, you know, where I had to get kind of thumped in the head in, in the late nineties before I really saw that and and was said to myself then, no, this isn't, this isn't what I, what I want. Uh, and, and then I had people around me who were there to support me. Right. So that's a, that's a huge part. After that, and I know that we're talking about prevention, but um, for people who, who continue to need support, um, they need their their family around them. They need the, the children or or kids who get into that pro- that those problems at that point need to understand that somebody's there for them, even if they make poor decisions and mm-hmm. and mistakes that that happen along the way.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I just was thinking in my head, like, you, we all, we've all kind of talked about how it, it took somebody to help us out. Right. And I think that's an interesting piece to talk about, too, because that takes resiliency, especially for somebody who's connected and seen the problem happening over and over again, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, I've had this conversation so many times. Like, I can't have it anymore. Um, I don't know what that window looks like for, I think it's probably f- different for every person. Um, you know, for me, it was kind of like, my fiance at the time was like, you need to like get your crap together. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that Mm -hmm. really tugged me out of it. Um, And I I got a real person's job, which helped me figure things out a little bit too, which kind of shaped me. But I I think, and it's funny because I shared um, a news article last night and I was kind of talking about like, you know, there's a lot of folks who are out there and I think the the call to action for community is that you can't give up right I mean Mm. these are human beings out there who have parents or friends who who are connected to somebody else who knows them and sometimes it's going to take a lot of poking and it's going to take a lot of tugging somebody back out before they actually get that like hey I need I need to get my stuff together I'm ready to connect to a resource or Mm. it it might be it might be a small conversation at one moment where it's important um, or it could be something more severe where they have to to be taken to somewhere mm-hmm. to get them help. But that window is always there. It's just a matter of not ignoring it if you're the one who's kind of connected to them.
0: Yeah, that's this has been such an awesome conversation. Any other, like maybe just one piece of advice that you would give a parent that, you know, youth-serving agency, that teacher, that, you know, starting these conversations and just beginning this process of being open with the youth.
2: I think you have to be willing to listen. Um, I mean, as as uh, an adult, I, I think it's pretty common, like feeling like we know more than than our kids because uh, we've been through it and, and done that. And as much as our kids uh, don't think that we know what the heck we're talking about, um, we have some life experiences. So I think, uh, you know, sharing with them, but then really listening to to what they have to say and and picking some of those pieces apart. Um, and just allowing them to, to share as much as you can, it's tough because they're, they're, uh, uh, they're in their phones, they're watching TV, they're, they're uh, caught up in, in social media. So it's hard to, to get some of those little pieces from them, Um, picking your spots and then, and then being willing to, to listen to what they have to say.
1: Yeah. And I, just to to speak to that a little bit too, I think I, I often wonder, you know, social media wasn't huge when we were growing up, you know what I mean? They're, they're in a different realm right now. Like everything is out there. Everybody's feelings are out there. Um, you, you po- I mean, if you're mad about something in 2021, what do you do? You, you put it on social media. You well Yeah. I've heard that 80 year olds use Facebook. So I, I wasn't going to say you post it on Facebook. I think it's Instagram and maybe Snapchat, but I don't know how to use Snapchat. So, um, I mean, I'm sure I could figure it out, but I, I love what you said, because I think you need to listen, you know, yeah, we have life experience, but we don't have the same life experience. I mean, 2021 is way different than, I mean, 1995 or whatever, you know, when I was growing up. So I think great point. You need to listen to them and not only listen to them, but listen to their struggles because you you definitely went through similar struggles, but it was at a different level. My, my one piece of advice is really to think about yourself too, because if you don't know the answers to these questions, or you feel uncomfortable in the moment, then there's people like Dan who would absolutely come alongside you and say, "Hey, let's talk about this thing." You know what I mean? Let's like well, how do, you have that first conversation, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I totally tanked that thing." Go talk to a friend. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's you, everybody's got somebody that they talk to or connect with. I mean, I could. I could list probably four or five people that I could call on my phone right now and just say, hey, man, I really messed this one up. Help me figure out how mm-hmm. I, you know, like, and, and one of them might be my dad, who I would say, hey. And, you know, my dad, he, he dropped out of high school at 10th grade. He was an alcoholic. He, that was his mission for life. But he's a very successful businessman now. And honestly, I love kind of just picking his brain on how things went. And then that helps me navigate some of the frustrating conversations that I have to have. So it's just thinking a little bit about, you know, if you have fear of stepping into some of these conversations, even if it's before the first conversation, reach out to somebody and say, hey, I know I need to have these conversations. And then if you're the person who gets somebody asking you those questions, be open to letting them talk to you about it because that's a nerve-wracking thing to come in and say, I'm not ready to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm prepared to do this. You know what? Nobody is. Right. Nobody's ready for that. So first of all, don't feel uncomfortable having the discussion. And if somebody comes to you, please be open to have that conversation with them.
0: Yeah, that's
2: a great point, Chris. We're not just resources for our, our kids, but also other parents or other people in, in roles of responsibility who are, are struggling with similar thoughts about how to have that conversation or discussion. We
1: all have them. We all have them. Like, it's no secret. But for some reason, it's like, Dan, I don't want to tell you, like, I don't know how to have this conversation. Right. Like, it's totally okay. Right. Come and talk about it, you know.
0: And our youth want to talk about it. You know, our youth are, are longing to just have that connection. And you, you both brought up such a good piece about social media is that, you know, now our connection is on our phones and it's just not even that, you know, person-to-person contact. So, you know, even opening up, to youth and saying, like, hey, like, how, what was a high and what was a low of your day? And, and breaking down kind of those feelings that our youth are going through on an everyday basis, not even, you know, as in-depth as substances, but just being that one person that can really just open up the, the conversation. Um, and I just want to to say again that regardless of, of where your youth are or where you are, you know, in the parenting aspect or you know, in this mentoring aspect of life, that it's not too late to have these conversations.
1: thinking, Hannah, you're talking, like we've talked a lot about youth, right? And we've talked about Mm -hmm. 10-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 16, 17. But you know what? I'm still my dad's kid. I'm still my mom's kid. You know what I mean? And honestly, I'm I'm almost in my 40s now. So I'm thinking, like, you could still have that conversation with me if I was, like, build the trust. Like, go have the conversation. You know what I mean? And just as you were talking, it made me think of another example. Like, my middle child... I struggle with connecting to that person. They're mm-hmm. very inward. They like to be on their own. It's They're an introvert, um, very much like my wife, which is fine. But I don't know how to connect with him. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. like, I know what his interests are, but when I go talk to him, he has to process things very differently. He's not like my other two children who are like, here's my feelings, come get me. <laughs> um, but my oldest child got a cell phone, so he actually sold his iPod to my middle child, which is kind of funny in itself. But... Uh, just the other night we were at an event and I was messaging him on his iPod, my middle child. And I'm not going to lie. Like I saw so much more emotional connection during a messaging session between him and I, than I've ever seen before that it just kind of surprised me. And I looked at my wife and I was like, babe, I had no clue that he wanted this type of a connection with me because we just don't talk about it personally. Maybe that's the way I connect with him. You know yeah. what I mean? Is through the, cause he he's, He's never had he's never had a moment where he hasn't had connection. You know what I mean? Like it's a different generation where you're always connected to something. So uh, maybe it's a start with a messenger, yeah. you know what I mean? And just start a conversation that way.
0: There's no right way, right? And there's no guidebook. I keep going back to what we said in the start. There's no parenting. There's no adult one-on-one of how to have had these conversations with youth. So trying different things and reaching them, you know, at whatever level that they're at. And maybe that's even saying like, How can I communicate with you? Is it through a text message? You know, is it that checkup, you know, at the dinner table? Is it in the car? You know, how can I even talk to you about these feelings and things? Um, And like I said, they want to talk about it somehow. So um, is there anything else you guys want to add?
1: You know, the only thing I was going to say is, first of all, thank you, Dan and Hannah, for having this. I always appreciate these conversations. You know, if you're listening... Um, I just think like we don't have we we didn't write the book we don't have the answers to this thing we just it's funny because as we talked about what we could do in this capacity we always think like breakwater what do we do well, well this is it right here we just have a real conversation mm-hmm. and honestly if you're if you're re- listening to this thing and you're thinking you know you totally missed something let us know because honestly we'll we'll have a conversation about it I think or we'll get the right people here to talk about it because a part two. Yeah. Part two or part three or whatever that becomes like, we want to help navigate this discussion to help grow parents or grow mentors or grow people to help our youth be successful at these difficult Mm -hmm. things that they're going to have to go through. And so just reach out, let us know. I mean, we're more than willing to like pull people into a room and use these really cool buttons. I I haven't pushed any of these buttons in here because I think that'll mess things up, but, um, (laughs) we just, we just want to talk about it. So, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Chris, you talked about authentic right at the beginning, right? You talked about having authentic conversations, and and I think that's what this was, and it it was uh, uh, an uncomfortable topic, I mm-hmm. I think. But uh, you know, just knowing that that we, you and I both have kids, similar ages, uh, you know, and, and understanding that nobody knows, you know, Hannah said it a couple of times. Nobody knows how to do this the mm-hmm. right way. There's there's no uh, right or wrong way, I think you just have to to do it. Um, I, I'll share one story that uh, my daughter, who's sixteen, told me about when I asked about one of the friends or friends that she used to hang out with and and didn't hang out with anymore. And she said, "Well, that that kid um, goes to parties where there's drinking now, and so I don't really want to do that." And so I thought that that was a just a cool uh, thing for her to share and. Be vulnerable and mm-hmm. uh, put herself out there and and just say like, that's that's not what I want. Um, so her her sharing that with me meant meant a lot.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I I, it's funny. I can almost see the emotion of you sharing that story. And I think the same thing. Like I love it when my kid goes out of their way to to manage something differently than where I'm like I have no clue that how they're gonna do that. But then when they come to me and they share it, I'm like. I almost want to like jump up and cheer, but I'm like, it's cool. I'm I'm not, I'm not that guy. Although I totally, am that guy. So thanks for sharing that. And, you know, Dan, thanks for sharing your story. Like I I've been hanging out with Dan for a number of years and I just love your story and your passion and how you get connected to it. And I think that's probably another piece of this thing is there's a ton of people out there who (laughs) are are living in recovery that we we have no idea, you know what I mean? And um, it's, it's tough sometimes, you know, I mean, gosh, I work, at a police department. And I think about some of the conversations that take place. And you joked earlier about how I should know how people do the bad things sometimes. Well, it's college, right? This is where you experience life. Right. And, and we try to help them navigate that too, because we understand it's a little different here, but it's uncomfortable to step into those things. And this is an uncomfortable conversation, right. but it's so necessary you know, to talk about it. So thanks for sharing your story. And Hannah, thanks for having us. So Thank
0: you both for for being able to join me today in our first podcast. And for our listeners out there who, you know, maybe resonated with this or have more questions or even, you know, want to share their own story of experiences of, of navigating these conversations or want to just, you know, dive in deeper in, in how do I navigate these conversations. Uh, you can email us at info at breakwater.org and we would love to have you know this uh, you on the podcast and keep this conversation going. So thank you again.
2: Yeah, thanks for pulling this together, guys.
1: Yeah, awesome. All right, we'll see you all next time. Thanks.